seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 165 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 165 episodes, I'm assuming not getting snowed on, my man Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? No, we hadn't seen any snow. <laughs> yeah, we got I a little bit. The panhandle got some a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, it's about 80 degrees today. Yeah, we've been kind of off and on each day. Like our highs have been like 45-ish and our lows right around 30, but it's actually not bad. It's oddly comfortable, which I'm still not understanding how that's possible, but you know, science and weather or something, I'm sure. But yeah, it's it's been kind of crazy. Something to get adjusted to because, you know, growing up in Texas, you especially central and south Texas, like you get snow once a decade if you're lucky. And it's gonna be like two inches and it's gone, you know, the next day. But like here, it'll come down for a day or two. It hangs around for like a day and then it goes away. Like we'll have one week probably here in about another month, month and a half where it'll snow. We'll probably get a couple of inches. It'll not snow anymore, but the old snow just stays there because it's cold enough. It'll hang out for like a week and then we're back to normal. So I can handle that level of snow. Otherwise, snow for me is like, it's pretty. I'll watch it from a window. <laughs> you know, like I don't need to be in it. I'm like, I like. I've had friends invite me to go to these, like, uh, I don't know what you call them, like ski trips, basically. You go up to the mountains and you go to a lodge or a cabin or whatever. And I'm like, cool, y'all can go do things. If y'all are cool with me just, like, watching everything from a window and hanging out in the cabin and having hot chocolate, I'm down. You know, and they're like, oh, you wouldn't want to come do? I was like, no, well, I don't want to be out in that. Like, it looks neat. Everybody else, I'll watch y'all have fun. <laughs> like, I want to have nothing to do with being out in the snow. I can't help it. Like, just the way I was grew raised, I guess. I grew up without it. Never had to have the appeal of it. But I think it's different, too, right? Because, like, if you live in, I don't know, like, Chicago, man, everybody I know who's lived in that area has crazy stories where they tell you, like, oh, man, I, the weather report said we shouldn't be outside for more than 15 minutes at a time because the wind chill or something will give you frostbite. Or I'm like, good God, like, never mind. Um, <laughs> I do not want to live there. Absolutely not. That'd be great during the spring. I'd love to take in some Cubs games, but yeah, wintertime, I got to get out. Yeah, for real. For real. I get it. If you got the money, why you got them like summer home, winter homes? <laughs> I, I get it now. Oh, man. All right. Before we get into the rest of the show, because, man, we have a lot of uh, somewhat emotional and controversial topics we're going to be talking about today. You should go pay some love over to our friends over at Cardsphere.com. A great place to buy and sell magic cards. And it's just a kind of a different type of site. You should go check them out. It's really cool. And like I've said before, you can literally name your price on what you want to pay for something and for what you want to sell something for even. It's actually pretty cool. Quick transactions. And honestly, they even have a pretty active Discord. So is there ever any problems or you just want to talk to people in the community or hell, even know who you're trading with? Like they're right in there. So yeah, go check them out over at cardsphere.com. And if you want to support the show directly, go check out patreon.com slash color magic. And you can get a shout out just like Brian Keller. Thank you for being a member, friend. And a great first name. That is true. It's, it's a pretty quality first name. And if you want to get some other cool little trinkets like tokens and playmats, 
to rep the show and show off whatever in your local store and help us out and get something for yourself, you can go over to colorofmtg.com slash shop. All right, let's get into this. Okay, so anybody who I think follows football, maybe even sports ball in general, you probably heard about the news this week from Deion Sanders transferring as a coach from Jackson State University, which is an HBCU, to Colorado University. And that has people feeling some kind of way. And HBCU, by the way, is historically back black colleges. Like, there's a whole... We could probably do a whole show on the history of those things. Right. Uh, which is interesting, by the way. They even have still have a reasonable percentage of white students that go to these HBCUs. I don't think people know that. But he did a ton for the school. And by the way, this does relate to something gaming-related. I'll get to it in a second. But people are viewing him as a sellout. Like, he came and took advantage of the school and used him used it to get himself recognized so he could get another job. Now, before I say anything else, he is not without fault because he did come in basically playing himself as the savior to Jackson State's football program. Right? So some of this he did bring on himself and I understand. Like you you got people hyped, you got people excited. There was expectations. Now, I will also say he didn't do anything any other college football coach hasn't done, right? Like they've they will come in and tell sell you this three, four, five year plan, whatever, just buying themselves time so they can make happen what happened and then hopefully deliver whatever they promise, whether that's championship, more booster money, whatever, right? But he did things that nobody has ever done for an HBCU. I don't think people understand. Like he got Walmart who is effectively, at this point, the number two retailer next to Amazon, I think, to come in and basically build new facilities for them. You know, gave them money to where they could build a new football field. He went and got the number two athletic brand in Under Armour to provide all new equipment, uniforms, so they had different looks for special days and whatever, right? Covered all that. The dude gave up half his salary to just go back into taking care of the program. And on top of that, not counting the fact that he helped the kids get more direction, grades got better, some of them are likely to get drafted into the the NFL. Hell, he got college game day to come out to little bitty Jackson State University, (laughs) which anybody knows anything about college football, that's pretty much the program on, on Saturdays. And they're always going to the big schools for the big games and whatever. And he got them to turn up to Jackson State to even get them on the map. People, I guarantee you, there are people that watch college football that didn't even know what Jackson State was. So good on him. And through all that, had five total losses over three seasons, one of which was an undefeated season. So at the end of all that, you can say, what is there for him to do that's really left? other than just keep doing what you're doing. Like, he put everything in place. The school is going to be better than it was when he got there. The next person's job is light years easier. 
And now you have recruits that actually know where Jackson State is and they have a winning history and they see the sweet uniforms and the new field or whatever. So now the school's more appealing for them to get those three, four, five star recruits. Like, I don't, I like, other than just saying we want you to stay here and keep being successful and keep drawing attention or whatever, like, there's really nothing left. And let's be real if the guy wants to be a coach in the NFL, NFL coaches don't get hired from one small schools in general. And I don't know of one, at least in recent memory, that's been hired from an HBCU. It's just not going to be a thing. So if he wants to better himself and his station in life, he has to go to take one of these other jobs. Now, my heart of hearts, I think he wanted the Florida State job, really, but it yeah. never came available. I think that's what happened. And Colorado was a bit, which, by the way, it's not like Colorado's a sellout job. He's going to be, I think, their third black head coach in a row, which none of those other schools can say, hell, I don't know if any of them even said they have two black head coaches, period, much less three in a row. So I don't see any problems with the situation at all. But I say that because it did hit me a little bit emotionally seeing people kind of take shots at him because I dealt with some of that when I was leaving my business to move up to the Northwest. Because I've, I've talked about it on the show before, how I was involved with charity groups and after-school programs and, you know, we ran programs on Baylor campus and whatever. And there were so many people, even before I was planning to leave, that constantly when you would stop wanting to be involved because they were asking too much of you or you wanted to try the next thing or whatever, it was just like, oh, okay, well, what are we going to do without you? Or, well, who's going to take over this thing or whatever? I'm like, look, there's people in place. I purposely built a system and helped rework things so this is easy to take over. Like, why is this just being put on me? Like, did I make it work? Yes, but I gave you the blueprints. Somebody else can go run with it. Right. Even even with my store, like I look at it as. I still when I took over at 21. The store I took over was losing money. I, I say losing money. It was technically making money, but it was basically zero. Right. So I'm taking over this business, which is barely a business by by IRS standards. <laughs> In a little it might have been. 400 square foot spot. It was real small. Real small. We'd moved and increased that space four times over 16 years. Final spot was a 6,000 plus square foot space. Worked with multiple charity groups. Started multiple school programs. Got to donate to multiple different organizations. You know, helped build up even stuff like the disc golf scene in the area. Got events brought to town. Doing all this stuff. But that reached a point where, okay, I've kind of done everything. Like I sat around, and I didn't necessarily make a checklist, but I kind of looked around and I'm like, well, what else there is there for me to do? Hell, I even was I turned the culture around. You're talking about being in the Bible Belt. Well, there weren't that many gamers or whatever, and making it a thing where I actually sponsored events on Baylor campus. Right there, there's not much left to do at that point. Hell, we ran our own convention, you know? And I literally looked and said, you know, I just want to try something else. Like, what else is available to me? And again, because we talked about it on the show before, you know, everybody's aware, like, we don't have that many black people in positions of authority with many of these companies in the industry. And there was an opportunity. It opened up. 
I felt like I could get it. Let's go for it. And man, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And a lot of people just felt abandoned, you know, and I'm like, I, I don't know what else you want me to do. Because Other than I guess just not leave. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. It was literally just like the need of, I don't care about anything else. You need to stay here. Oh, dude. And I still got emails where people go, man, I really wish you were coming back. Is there any chance this comes like, no, I'm done. That chapter is over. I don't hate it. Don't get me wrong. I still like a lot of the people in my regulars that came in, but like, it was just time to do something else. And hell, I literally even have awards from doing retail stuff with my store. Like there's literally, I checked all the boxes I was going to be able to check off at that point because I'm now at a plateau. And unless I do something grandiose, it's going to just be super slow grinding, going to the next level. So like, I, and hell, it had been over a decade and a half, you know, it was time to go. Now, admittedly, in Dion's case, it had been three years, but he also knows the path to get to be that coach in the NFL. If that's what he yeah, wants. Exactly. To do. You didn't just, you know, he, he, you didn't blow up the system and take like the most popular players to, to Washington with you. It's the primary difference. Sure. But he got those players recognition. He got them starting time. You know, he got them on college game day. Things that they wouldn't even necessarily have gotten had those kids gone to Power Five. School. No, no, Travis Hunter would have gotten that. He was like one of the number one. That's a, we, now, now, his son might not have, because who's to say that his son becomes quarterback somewhere? His son probably doesn't get to play quarter because for people that yeah. don't know, Deion's son, Shadur, was Jackson State, and I guess is now going to be Colorado's quarterback. So, of course, Colorado's quarterback that they had this season is having to transfer somewhere else. So it's a huge domino effect. Hey, I'm just saying, like, we've we've seen number one and number two ranked players not get the playing time they wanted. And that goes all about, hell, Jalen Hurts had that problem, you know, when he was in college. And I think we had that same situation where there was, like, something with Baker Mayfield and the other dudes or whatever, right? That That's happened multiple times with Oklahoma now that I'm thinking about it. But so that's not even a guarantee. But he even said, like, I don't want a whole bunch of players just transferring because I'm leaving. Like, y'all keep growing what you got here. You got a winning program. You're going to get recognition. Do your thing. But like I said, it was just one of those things that I was like, man, I feel this a little bit. Like, you've come and built up the system. You've helped a bunch of other people out. You've done everything you can. You've left it in a positive spot. Like, everything's in place for everyone to be successful. Yet people want you to stay there and keep doing the same thing. And it's like, how many opportunities are going to open next year or the year after or whatever for him to even get that shot? I, honestly, in his case, it's not even to get the shot. It's that you and we've talked about it before, like you have to even be in a position so you even get the interview. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, that's the problem. And that was kind of the way I looked at it as well. It's like I had a perfect storm of situations where I thought, I feel pretty good that I can get this. But I don't know how many other opportunities I'll be able to say that about. So if I'm going to do it, now's the time to do it. And that's one of the reasons I did it when I did. And, you know, I could have waited, maybe see if something else comes up with another company. But it's like, hey, the the biggest company in our industry has a spot and I think I can get it. And, you know, and I fortunately knew somebody that I was pretty sure was going to knew me well enough that I was at least going to get to the interview stage. 
after that, uh, whatever. But like, you know, I at least had to take the shot while all the things were there. And it worked out. You know, I ended up doing that for a couple of years. I got to work with Card Kingdom for a couple of years. I ended up, you know, now getting to do content for myself. I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people. You know, I got to travel for events. So I don't, I don't think it was a bad decision at all. And in the end, the store is still there. People are still thriving. I still see people online I still associate with. It's great. Everybody's winning. And I feel like the same thing's going to happen in Jackson State, right? It's going to be way better. Even, you know, maybe not another 12-0 and 0 season or whatever, right? But they're going to be better for the, easily the next decade than they would have been had he not been there. And real talk, I went and looked it up. Apparently, they only have something like 11% of alumni that donate any money anyway to the school. So it's arguable to say that Dion probably did more than any of the alumni that had come out of there, you know, in his three years or whatever. So I don't know. But anyway, that that's that's just something I wanted to share with the people because I'd never shared it before. And there was just an opportunity where I was, you know, something big was happening publicly that was relatable. But anyway, let me pass it off to you, dude. All right. I, I this this is actually not the one we discussed beforehand, but I saw it and it just agitated me. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, if you remember, and you may not, Days Gone, a zombie survival type game from I want to say about two or three years ago. There, you know, as happens, they're kind of looking at the numbers, seeing whether they consider it a failure or not, and apparently. One of the creators of the game is saying one of the reasons that he feels that it failed is because woke reviewers didn't like it when his badass biker character looked at a girl's ass. Man, I, I saw that. Like, <laughs> Just, that ain't it, Chief. <laughs> that is, I promise you, that's not it. Some of the, the legitimate reasons the game failed was that, let's uh, just be perfectly honest, how many zombie games come out at this point? Especially, you know, post-Walking Dead. There's probably, I'm going to say easily, 200 games, probably far more than that, <laughs> every year about zombies. If your game isn't bringing anything new to the table, it's not going to sell very well. Or, you know, or I mean, maybe it will, you know, if it's, you know, if it's an established franchise such as Left 4 Dead, that's a legitimate, like, hey, there, there's some already... But no, these people are the woke reviewers and people blaming the media when they have effed up somewhere. Yeah, you know, I, I think people like that have to understand that, like, you can have a character that's that way. Right. As long as it's not the whole narrative for the whole game. Right. But like, we get it. Those people exist. And if it's part of the story for that person to be ignorant and gruff and whatever and like, all right, cool. But that ain't going to be the reason your game fails. No, especially considering the the, the the largest part of the audience for games is what is still what eighteen to eighteen to thirty five year old, largely white males. That didn't... yeah, like that's the audience, so they they're gonna, not going to have a huge problem with it. So, so, some of those, you know, critiques about sexism, racism, you know, and unlikable characters. That happens to Call of Duty all the time, and they're doing fine. 
<laughs> you know? Honestly, let's be real. I bet you of the people listening right now, less than 10% probably have even heard of the game. So it's not like, oh, this game got all this controversy and people, this is why people stayed away from it. Yeah. A bunch of people probably just went, man, it didn't, wasn't even good enough to get on my radar. You know, because that's the thing. When I see people complain about, oh, we we got canceled because of whatever, I'm like, you that's that can't be the reason because I didn't even know you were around to not play you. You know, like right? so if that was the reason, I would at least heard, hey, don't touch this game for these reasons, right? Like that that's the part I don't think they get. But yeah, we talked about it before though. Like one of the biggest problems, and this this is a human problem is we have trouble admitting fault. And and honestly, I think it's what does in most entrepreneurs is that at the end of the day, their ideas are great and there's some other reason that they failed. And dude, there's some days where I literally, I, hell, I've been there, where I look at something and go like, damn, that didn't work, did it? <laughs> you know, like, like, And then you try again and go like, yep, no, nope, this idea is just bad. We're not doing this again. You know, but there's a lot of people who ah, well, there was this other thing happening, and oh, this person sabotaged this event. Where like, okay, sometimes those could be part of the problem, but sometimes your ideas just aren't good. We got to be able to admit that. But and by the way, the game that he supposedly that this is, I'm sure this is was told to him by some executive, but it sold eight million copies. A lot of it's just, you know, especially big companies like Sony just have a different definition of what they consider a failure than, you know, other companies. Yeah, eight million ain't ain't small. Yeah, just think about how many, that's in the, let's say, $60. Now, obviously, some people probably bought it, you know, during Steam sale because like it's on PC also. Yeah, but even then, say it was deep discounted and they paid 20 bucks for it. Yeah, but but really, the the fact that we're calling eight million sales some kind of failure is just it's you know ludicrous, huge corporation accounting. We've talked about this with other games where hey, you just sometimes and I, I get it, cost you know to create games and and market games are high. Like I just uh, read today that even though Black Adam was going to probably make upwards of four or five hundred million they spent so much marketing it to where that may not even be break even that's unfortunately part of the price of doing business these days oh man i have a whole whole other stance on that where you know that's we've talked about before that's some of the stuff that i i would say dc gets wrong with their b-list characters where marvel gets it very right is how to market and present them you know and sounds like dc had to honestly black adam's already kind of obscure for comic book yeah, readers. Very, very so obscure. like you had to do a lot of work to get people to understand who this character was. Yep. You should and have just done know, another Shazam and then had him make an appearance in Shazam is what you should yeah, have done. The Rock specifically didn't want to do that because he wanted to fight <laughs> Superman, and I think that hurt him. Oh, yeah, but even then, this don't is- have them fight then, but have them at least make an appearance so people go like, Oh, that dude, and that dude's getting his own movie. Sweet. But they, for whatever reason, don't like doing that in D.C. Well, and I mean, I don't know, because, I mean, if you put Black Adam in Shazam, I mean, they, 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 that's his arch enemy. You would, uh, it, the, the handful of people that are going to see that movie are, you know, D.C. comic books fans. So if you see Shazam, Black Adam, and they don't fight, those fans are going to be disappointed. Uh, I feel like we've taken a lot of liberties with a lot of things. I, I bet you we could get creative and find a way to do it. 
Yeah, but which is the thing with Rock just wouldn't do it that way, and he's a star yeah, in the movie, yeah. so. But, you know, but then you have to come back to, is it worth it? Right? You're like, okay, we really want him in it, but if you're not making any money off of it, well, yeah. what was the point? And I think if the rocket dropped out, they would have just probably abandoned the project altogether because he was, you know, he he did stick with the project through that thing is in development hell for a long. Well, dude, I think it was like time. I don't even. I think it was before like 2010 or something, 2011, something like that. Oh, e- yeah, easily. Yeah, they were talking about it a decade ago because he was still like in his peak WWE time. Yeah, you know, and for whatever reason, it just never happened. I, so I don't know why. Well, I mean, it switched directors a bunch of times and all kinds of, you know, development hell is called development hell for a reason. It's hard to, you know, let's say, and as we said, DC is having, all, we could go on forever. Yeah, DC slash Warner Brothers is having all kinds of problems with things. So. That, that gives me another show idea because I thought about this the other day. Was we, and, and it's a really deep thing, but we seem to be holding on to, we have to do movies a certain way. When in reality, we have social media, like, and not just like TikTok or whatever, but we have actual like YouTube that shows us like, hey, no, there's a lot of ways we could do entertaining stuff in long form, whatever. But for some reason, we're stuck, still stuck on these old ways of doing things. And I think it actually harms the studios more than helps them in a lot of cases. But, you know, then it means we get more Marvel movies because everybody else is failing. So. I mean, depends. If, if you're good with comic book movies, it's great. If you're not, well, then this is one of the reasons it sucks for you. <laughs> oh, man. But hey. if, if they keep making money, we'll start getting more Marvel movies that aren't necessarily about superheroes. They have other things. They have vampires. Yes. You know, they got all kinds of. I think those make. largely are still going to be relegated to TV shows, though. I think we've seen enough success with Daredevil, with Punisher, with whatever that like. While those would be neat to see as a movie, I think they've found formulas that like, hey, we can keep these profitable this way. So that's probably where they're going to be relegated. And to some extent, I kind of get it because I realized a while back I stopped going to see movies at the theater that didn't have the big grandiose visual. That's that's the thing that's happening throughout the industry is like if it's not some kind of huge blockbuster, it's it's having problems. It's just well, yeah, but it's like you know, like. No Country for Old Men was a well-acted, well-scripted movie, but I didn't feel the need to go see that in the box office. Yeah, because, you know, you for the whole, obviously for, you know, Avengers Endgame, you want the whole almost like a sports stadium experience. Yeah. As you, you said, for, you know, for your an indie romance, for example, no, you don't need to hear loud explosions. You don't need to you know, see yeah, all the special effects. You, it's you can the, watch that, and it's more comfortable probably to watch that at your house. That's exactly it too, right? Hell, especially since the pandemic. Because exactly. people went and made themselves comfortable at home. They ordered or bought an extra TV. You know, they've got their couch stuff all set yeah. up the way they want. You know, hell, people. I saw people who bought like little movie trays. Some people got, I saw some friends even got those coffee tables that you could pull up to be a little like uh, food tray or whatever. <laughs> like they were getting comfortable because you were going to be in this house for six, nine, 12 months, right? Yeah. So now people have all that at home. So if you don't give them a reason to go out, yeah, I get it. But hey, it's that time of the week. And believe it or not, this week, actually, it's a hard time figuring out what to put here, Brian. But I want to tell everybody what you learned this week. 
All right. Uh, the Carolina Panthers have hired Justine Lindsay, and she is the first openly transgender NFL cheerleader. So congratulations to her. That is that is a huge accomplishment. And yes, as you would imagine, some people on social media were being idiots, but that's unfortunately that comes to being a trailblazer. Well, Go let's be it, fair. Just. If you're in the Carolinas, that's not an easy subject to breach anyway. I mean... That's already tough. But, hey, credit to the NFL, because we were talking about this. Hell, I feel like it was just before the pandemic, you know, that we had started getting more black or not black, but more male cheerleaders. You know, and that was already a step in that direction. So it's kind of just becoming like, hey, if you're just good at being a cheerleader, come get a job. Exactly. And and as like being a football player, that's how it should be. If you're good at if you can do all the various dance routines and i mean i've heard some of the things you know that they they go through just uh from you know covering sports and all the training they had to go it it almost really is well not even almost it is being an athlete essentially unless you're a cheerleader for the team out in washington and then apparently it's just a prostitution job but (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say Carolina's previous owner was not, you know, obviously not to the level of Washington. I don't know if anybody wants to. No. Although Dan the worst stuff comes, work, man. The worst stuff that comes out about NFL owners, I don't know. He claims to have a secret file, so we, I guess we'll see. Maybe that's where Jerry Jones stuff came from. That there's a secret that Dan Snyder's <laughs> secret file. In I don't know, man. Like, the dude, when you got a state, one, you have fans that nobody likes you. You got a stadium that has broken pipes dropping poop water on people. Rails that are yeah. breaking and almost get your starting quarterback hurt. <laughs> like you find out you're keeping two different books for the IRS and for the NFL. <laughs> right? oh. like, like the dude's got a laundry list of stuff, man. Like he, he's just an awful, awful person. Main thing though. Congratulations to Justine Lindsay. Congratulations to the top cats cheerleaders. That's actually a, a cool name for your cheerleaders. That really is actually, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yep. <laughs> Congratulations to everybody involved with that. I will say this in general, like congratulations to, to women and femmes in general, because we've seen in the last couple of years, a couple of female referees for the NFL that have started popping up. Right. We've seen hell. We're seeing more women referees, even in WWE, you know, and in AEW, right. In professional wrestling. So it's pretty cool that though you may not in the case of like football, be able to be, on the field because of, you know, physical stature or whatever, you might still grow up being a fan of these things. And the fact that you can get a profession on the field, being part of the presentation is actually pretty cool. It really, I know there's some people that are going to feel some kind of way about it, but those people are still important, right? They make up part of the fan base. They still have those same memories you have watching football or whatever with your parents. And like, it's cool that they get to be part of it as adults. You know, I mean, and also and, some of these squads, you know, like the Laker girls, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, they become as popular or more popular than a lot of NFL and NBA teams, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's definitely been people that were on those teams that wouldn't have got as much recognition as the cheerleaders. That's real. And, and Paul honestly, Abdul got her start as one of the Laker girls. True. Paul Abdul, for sure. I will say, though, it is important that they've been able to get jobs basically for lack of a better term in front of the house and not just back of the house. Right. Cause we've had non males in the like executive roles and, you know, PR roles and stuff like that. 
But we have, until the last few years, really haven't had them getting jobs out on the field and being in front of the camera, other than like the sideline reporter, right? That that was kind of the one job that was available for decades. And it feels like over the last five or six years, that started to change a bit. So that's definitely some positive news for sure. Now, the thing I learned, and man, this is a case of like, social media taught me a thing. Because I'm watching this video about a week ago, and I see this kid, I say kid, he might have been mid-20s, younger guy. He's talking and doing this presentation, and he's just like popping these hard candies in his mouth and just crunching them while he's talking. Like, like literally, I mean, literally just like the bag, and he's like, almost like like popcorn. <laughs> like just putting them in and then you can hear him just, you know, the crunch it makes or whatever, right? While he's talking, working his way through the candy. And I'm like, what the hell is up with this guy? So I scroll down to see if other people are having this reaction. And there's people going like, why are y'all reacting this way? This isn't that weird or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do the same thing. I thought everybody ate candy like this or whatever. And I'm like, what? And at some point I'm like, all right, this dude's just trolling for for engagement. And these people are just playing along, right? But then there was mixed emotions and reaction in the comments. So then I decided I'm going to put a poll on Twitter because I, I got to ask people. Like, I got to I gotta know. Turns out. No, you better or, ask somebody. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> like, but seriously, 13% came back on the poll saying, yeah, they crush hard candy like that. I saw that, and yeah, I was as you know somebody with uh, <laughs> with a couple of crowds. That was shocking to me. I just like literally all I could say is thirteen of y'all are just monsters that your dentists have to love. Like I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like honestly, that just feels like deranged behavior to me. Like how? Like in what way? That can't feel good. Like it feels like when you go to crunch on it, your body would tell you, "Hey, this is probably not something we should be doing." But for some reason, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure some people were just voting that way to just, but even even if we say it's 10%, that's still a lot. That's one in 10 people just crunch Jolly Ranchers like they're popcorn. Like that is like, I've had so much trouble reconciling this for some reason because it feels so abnormal. And then there were comments where one dude was like, oh, yeah, I had a friend that used to eat, like, gobstoppers like that. And both, I'm like, gobstoppers? How do you physically eat gobstoppers? Like, they're designed to be. Yeah, I'm like, dang. impenetrable. And like you're saying, like, my lady was like, well, what if you have, like, crowns or fillings or something? Wouldn't that mess those up? I'm like, yeah, probably. Because especially Jolly Ranchers, because they're sticky and whatever on top of it, if you try to just, like, crunch on them, because they'll stick in your teeth. So I'm like, I don't know, man. It was crazy. But... Apparently, that's normal behavior for people. So maybe listeners learned something today, too, because I, I genuinely was stunned to find out that is just like. Yeah, I, I saw that behavior. on your Twitter and was equally just like, what? The, I don't understand. Yeah, I truly thought like, OK, if this comes back like two or three percent, that that's reasonable, right? Between people just kind of like goof with your results and people being honest there's always outliers to everything. So I'm like, that, that wouldn't have been that weird. But to find out it was over 10%, that was stunning to me. That there's a real percentage of the population that just, for whatever reason, figures this is how you eat hard candy. I don't know if it's learned behavior or 
just something that comes natural? Maybe that's the next thing I need to ask, right? Like if you voted yes, when did you learn to do this? Because because I'm I'm really curious. But I, I like finding out weird things like that about human behavior because I wouldn't even consider that to be a thing. You know, something that you think seems obvious, apparently totally different for multiple people. But all right. All that being said, we've rambled on a little bit. Let's talk about some of the news of the week. All right, there's an interesting thing this past week, Brian, where kind of out of the blue, Wizards of the Coast announced that they were going to be removing the flag visuals from MTG Arena. And for, for specifics, for those of you who didn't see the announcement, if you've already purchased the flags, you will still own them. You will still be able to put them on your decks and you will still see them when you play. However, the person playing against you will not see that. It will appear to them as though they have just a generic magic back on your cards. And they did say that when this goes into effect, they will end up refunding. I believe the number was 300 gems for each of those sleeves you previously purchased. So cool. You're going to get refunds. If you still like the look of them, you can still play with them. Your opponents just won't see them. And that seems like a reasonable compromise to me anyway, because realistically, it's not like you ever see what your opponent sees anyway. Like, unless you happen to see them streaming or something, or they record it and you happen to come across it, right? So your experience will be exactly the same with those sleeves on. Theirs will be different. But they won't even know that it's different. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they would know you had the sleeves. It's just going to show up as a generic magic pack. So to me, easy solution makes sense. However, there were a lot of people, as you would expect, because gamers on the internet, that felt some kind of way about this, about, ah, people are being too sensitive, or this is Watsy probably trying to cover up to not support this country or that country instead of just saying it, and blah, blah, all these things, right? And, I, you know, maybe there is some truth to that. Maybe Watsy wants to not support, let's say, and again, this is just speculating. I've not heard this from anywhere. But let's say they don't want to support Russia with everything going on over there right now. But you don't necessarily want to make the big political statement and affect business or whatever with Hasbro around the world, blah, blah, whatever. So you're like, you know what? We're just going to get rid of all flags on there so nobody has to see them. All right. That's a reasonable solution. But, and I don't know about you, Brian. Like, when you first hear this, I don't know what your first thought is, but like, I you know, to... my first thought is uh, the Red Skull. I have seen the future and there are no flags. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I should have known that, honestly. But I honestly start thinking about, okay, what type of players or which people would have reported something like this? You know, because my because let's be real, and we've talked about it before. Sadly, you know, unfortunately... As Americans, we do have some people that kind of try to weaponize the American flag and make you feel a little uncomfortable about it. So, like, I mean, just being real about it, I'm not saying hate the flag or whatever. I'm just saying, you know, stating facts. But I'm not even sure that necessarily is it. But I could see a few people maybe say something about it. Hell, to be honest, if I was a Middle Eastern player, I might be a little upset when I see American flags, just saying, you know, depending on where I was from. But let's be real. Like, let's say you were from somebody from the Ukraine, right? And you already have people hassling you about stuff with Russia. And like, hell, you got 
some people believe in you're in the wrong or whatever. I don't know how, but you know, whatever. And then you started seeing like Russian flags popping up a lot because you're in the same area. So you're going to be playing people in the same time zone a lot of the times. So they may be seeing a reasonable amount of, right? I don't, I don't know this. I don't know how many were purchased, but I could see that being a thing that though it doesn't harm you, it probably detracts from your entertainment value a bit, you know? Cause like, do you want to sit across from somebody that, you know, was like openly supporting Russia or something, right? Like, uh, uh, like it's not a thing for me to judge, but I get how it could bother somebody. You know what I mean? It just feels like unnecessary. And, and here's an interesting thing. And, and I wish I would have bookmarked it so I could share it. But when this came up, I started trying to find instances where this had been a thing in the past. And I came across a thing, I believe it was from Microsoft Xbox, but I don't remember if it was like a development brief or whatever, but basically guidelines that they try to avoid putting flags and stuff anyway. And started making me wonder if that's a thing that's just been in game development or whatever for a while, because you know it can be problematic. I could see that. Unless unless it's like military strategy or whatever, because like, you know, if you're going to Russia, you know you're going to Russia. If things have, tanks have the Russian flags on them, whatever, you kind of know what's going on there. But I do remember, even years ago, when I was playing City of Heroes, they had a a group that was basically like lycanthropes, that werewolves that were Nazis, right? That was just the whole thing, because you're doing superhero whatevers. But then when they opened up the game to start doing a lot of stuff in Europe, they didn't even have them look like Nazis at all. They got a whole new look, right? So even those types of games go like, hey, anything that's reminiscent of calling out a country or a group or we, you try to avoid it in development, right? So this isn't really new. This is a thing that's been going on for a while and other companies already have that. And it could also be that, who knows, maybe behind the scenes, because Wizards just started working with other developers to help do stuff for Arena and whatever and doing stuff for Magic Online. Maybe some of them said like, hey, I don't know if y'all realize, but this could possibly be a problem. Y'all should probably work on changing that. You know what I mean? Because if other developers already know it's a thing, maybe they pointed it out too. So I don't know. But I thought it was an interesting move. It's not one I really have a problem with because the end result is basically no effect. Right. Like for the people that own the flag, like if you like the way they look and you you're, don't have any ill intentions and you want to keep using them. Great. You can do that. Nobody will know but you. And then I don't know, again, maybe your audience or whatever, if you stream and you want to put them on or whatever. Right. But generally, nobody's going to see it. And I think that's actually probably the cleanest solution to anything we've had happen in gaming and arena in a while. Right. Just cool. Everything's still going to look effectively the same. Just no flag on your opponent's side. Ta-da. And you're still going to get gems for your efforts. Right? So you still get the exact same experience you want from playing with those, and you're going to get extra gems. It's hard to beat that. Like, that's about as good as it's going to be. But yeah, I just figured it was worth noting so people knew it's coming up. If you see an update or you see some gems pop up in your account, that's where they came from.
Hey, Brian, did you get a chance to look at Dominaria Remastered yet? Because they started previewing that. Actually, I say started previewing. All the cards got previewed. <laughs> the uh, kind of- I did not. Like, didn't we just? Like, I, I just finished looking at Brothers War. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. They actually also made an announcement that they're actually pushing it a week back on release. So there's more space between each of the sets. I did, I did hear about that. And that seems like a good call. Yeah. So that that's kind of some stuff we want to talk about too, is that, you know, with this coming out now, first off set looks great. Now, of course there still are some dud rares or whatever, but you know, that happens. A lot of cards got downshifted, which is pretty cool stuff that used to be rare. Now is that uncommon, which is pretty awesome. So you don't have that many dud rares, which is great. There's a bunch of cards that are, I would say, 20 to $40 that found their way into the set, which is cool. So you get some really good reprints. They pulled cards from, I believe the count was 27 different sets that happened on Dominaria since the beginning of Magic. So that was pretty cool. So, yeah, just lots of good stuff going on with this set. Like, super excited about it for a lot of people. And I think the comment we saw most was, this feels like what a 30th anniversary celebration should have been. And and I don't disagree with them. But this is kind of calling back to what I said near the beginning when they made the announcement about those 30th anniversary boosters. The fact that they exist wasn't the problem. The fact that they came out in the same announcement and had wording attached to them that this is a celebration of 30 years of magic, but like that, I think, is was the trip up, right? Well, I, mean, I think it is a problem. <laughs> well, but here's here's the thing for me, though. Like, had you not had that in that announcement and this and the pre-release promos and the cool store giveaways they're going to have and whatever were the announcement, people could have went, oh, there's going to be all this cool stuff over the next whatever, like nine months or whatever to celebrate Magic's 30th anniversary. This is going to be cool. Look at all these neat things. The problem is you shoved a $1,000 booster on there and drew all the attention away from this. So there's a bunch of people who didn't even know Dominary Remastered was even going to be a thing, which I thought was a great announcement, but you attach this other crap to it and drew all the attention away. Well, you could have... Hell, honestly, I would even flip-flop their release. I would have had some of the other products come out first and then make that anniversary booster be the third or fourth thing in line, and then just promote it as, hey, we decided we want to do a way for people to be able to open lotuses and moxes or whatever. Here you go. Don't say it's a celebration or whatever. We just Hell, you could even say, hey, we just want to toss this out here as an experiment. We don't even know what the hell is going to happen, but this is a cool collectible. Go get it. People would have still, afford it. Yeah, people would have still been mad at a $1,000 booster. Yeah. There, there but, was no scenario in which people weren't going to be mad at sure, They were mad at a $100 and $200 booster. like and for legitimate reasons, again. Sure. For some. I don't know how legitimate the reason is to be mad at it, but I get why you're mad I at mean, it. if you can't afford it, there's a pretty good reason to be mad, I would say. There's a lot of things I can't afford that I'm not mad at, especially on a reprint product. So, like, that part I don't have an issue with. But I think the way they tried to present it was the issue. And there were a lot of ways, because remember, I tell you, I'm a big fan of credits and debits. And you can't, you got to build your credits before you can take the debits. And they just had a big debit they wanted to take out of the account with that (laughs) and didn't build up the credits. So now we're starting over and they're at least getting some good press from this because the reprints are great. There's a bunch of cool tutors 
and just cards that, like I said, were in that like $15, $20, $30 range that hadn't been reprinted. Hell, there's a bunch that hadn't been in foil before. So people that collect foils are going to get a first shot at getting cards. So like, so many neat things about this set that I think are really good. And it's funny how many people are just surprised and never heard of it. And I was like, yep, it was part of that same announcement. And as soon as I saw it, I knew this was going to happen. There's still people that don't know about the cool store promotional promos that are going to be there and the free promos you get for FMs. And like they just had, or not FMs, but pre releases. They just had a bunch of stuff in there, which are great plans. But whoever put together that PR announcement just killed themselves, honestly. It was just bad. But Dominator Remastered. Looks like a great set. Looks like a bunch of value in it. Has some really good throwback cards that I think a lot of people are going to appreciate. If you draft... Well, now, as somebody that has been in the building, if I'm the PR person and I suggest this, would you think they would have taken me up on, like, hey, this probably we should probably announce it this way instead of... I would tell the you, way you if I was still in one of those meetings at Wizards, I would have said something. I, I can tell you firsthand... Uh, I'll have to, I, I don't even know if I can give you specifics off there, NDA stuff, but yeah. there were projects that were presented that sometimes me and particularly one or two other people in in the big war room meeting I told you about, like would have those conversations just like, hey, here's why we shouldn't do this. And that's what people's jobs are there to do, right? Like, hey, if we know this is going to be a thing, let's talk. Now, to be fair, it's also possible that the announcement of things didn't go before another group. You know, the the promotional team probably decided that on their own. Company higher up signed off on it, and then it got published on the website. Like, so, you know, the proper people who make the decision made the decision. And it is uh, what it is. I remember my days of working in the opinion part of the Streetport Times and being told what my opinion was. So I didn't know. Hey, I've said it before in those, like, hey, my opinion is just my opinion. Y'all, y'all can go against yeah. it if you want to but I'm basing it on these reasons. And I would always state reasons as to why. And then if you do with it, you do with it. Like I said, my piece, I don't have to feel bad about it. But, and that happens at every company. I'm not trying to like single out wizards. I mean, we, we see it all the time, right? Somebody signs off on a thing and it goes public and you look at it and go, that seems like an obvious thing you shouldn't have done. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think Dominator Remastered is really good. I think moving it back a week, smart move. They've also said they're going to be reviewing the release schedule from the last year or two and looking at sales and trying to like figure out where to move stuff and whatnot. So that's cool. I think there's also, I uh, was it? Well, by the time you listen to this, I think it'll be a day out. Or no, maybe actually it'll be the day of. I think this goes live. There's going to be, I guess, Chris Cox, who's now at Hasbro, will be doing some type of presentation, like a fireside chat, I think they're calling it or something basically fancy word to just like hey we're gonna give you our vision for going forward or whatever i i want to caution people because i think a lot of people are going to want to watch that expecting like oh we're gonna hear all this stuff about how they're changing magic and that's bank of america thing got them to change like no it didn't not to the level you think it did and they're gonna come out with as they should with their pre-recorded pre-assigned whatever statements they're going to give you whatever they're going to give you it'll probably be a live presentation but he'll they'll already have their thoughts together they're going to share their ideas and whatever and they're probably going to take a handful of questions that'll be largely curated that's how you do it in the professional pr world 
Like, so don't expect to hear some grand revelation. Don't expect to hear like, we're going to be down to just four core products, a commander product and whatever. Like that, they're probably not going to tell you that in that level of detail anyway. You're going to get probably some platitudes and they're going to get like, here's some our vision goal things. That's probably what it's going to be. So I just want to tell people like, if you've not listened to corporate stuff before, don't be disappointed because that's probably all you're going to get. But it's their way of at least saying, hey, we acknowledge this, right? Y'all complained, retailers complained, banks complained. Let's go ahead and say like, hey, we're paying, we're making a statement to make everybody happy to say, we hear y'all. We're going to make some changes. Here are our goals we're going to target to keep those changes within the realm of. And that's probably going to be it. I wouldn't expect that to go more than like 45 minutes to an hour. But we'll see. But moving on, there's an interesting thing I wanted to talk about. We've seen some people complain about standard not being important. And I don't agree with that. I feel like standard or or any recent set formats, whatever game you play, I mean, they have different names, but I think those recent set formats are important for a lot of reasons, for accessibility mainly, right? A lot of people say, oh, it's not accessible. No, it absolutely is accessible. You know, if you're a new player to a game and your friend tells you like, oh, well, you should come play modern or legacy with us. And you're like, all right, cool. You go look up what that means. You start looking up decks and you're like, how do I even get all these cards? And you're like, oh, okay, well, I can go to this website. And I'm like, oh God, I'm gonna have to spend like $40,000 or whatever, (laughs) you know, whatever the ridiculous numbers are, right? That's not accessible at all. Also consider the fact that when people get new product, it's gonna be, if they didn't just buy it off the shelf, you know, like a starter deck or something, they're going to be getting packs or boosters or a bundle or whatever from their friend or cousin or mom or grandma during the holiday or Christmas coming up, right? It'd be a thing you open up under the tree. Well, if you don't have a standard format available, then those cards they bought are going to be largely useless, right? You need them to have something to do with those things, right? And that's also good for the companies. Let's be honest, right? Like if standards a thing, more people are buying singles, or boosters of the recent set, which means either they're going buying packs or stores are opening more, so they have more singles or whatever, right? So it's winning for a lot of people. And then as players play enough standard, they build up a card pool to where then they can go and buy 15, 20 extra cards and make their deck pioneer or modern or whatever legal, right? But Brian, you've played a lot of games, right? You've you've, you've seen this in a lot of other games as well, I'm sure. Well, I mean, I think this is the only one where it's had, you know, <laughs> I would say the only one I've played that has lasted to 30 years where you are able to have, <laughs> how many formats are there? I've lost track. I was I was actually playing a little bit today. This is, was it Pioneer, Explorer, Standard? I, I fully admit <laughs> that I'm a bit lost on all these different formats. Well, yeah, that that's kind of one of the other issues too, right? Like if you don't have the easy on-ramp format, which fortunately you can at least still play standard on arena or whatever. But if you go to your local store and there's not the easy on ramp, then you're kind of going, okay, well, I just have to figure out what the most people locally play and then decide, am I willing to invest to go get a deck for that thing? Or do I just walk away? Right. That's a real thing that happens. I've seen it firsthand. 
I think the one I guess that kind of came closest to this was Raw Deal when they kind of did the whole <laughs> reboot where they announced different <laughs> a bunch of different move types, and I think that was <laughs> probably the closest to, to this experience I've had in any other card game. Because again, most of them don't last, uh, you know, even ten years in a lot of cases. Yeah, and they tried, you know, and and you know they still got a seven year run, so it's not like it's into the world. But Pokemon has a standard format that uses the most recent, I think, like two years of stuff. I'd have to go back and look. It's been a while since I've done anything with the cards with them. But I know they have a standard format. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! has two formats, but one basically has like a bigger ban list. It's like the same cards, but one gets a bigger ban list that you just can't play with certain cards or whatever. And then there's another one that gets a rotating ban list, which is very weird. Just, I think it's like every four months or something, you just like, they update that to try to keep it fresh or whatever. So, so like, it sounds like, I guess, Wizards is, is the, the the industry leader in terms of how many different formats it has. Well, yeah. And part of that is the age of the average players. You know, we've talked about this before. When you have players that hang around for a long time, you know, the hell, not even just the average age of the player, but the average lifespan i guess you will of their time in the game is longer than some other games even exist which is kind of crazy to say out loud right but if you say an average magic player is going to play magic somewhere between like six and eight years in a stretch some you know we we jokingly say you don't really quit magic you just go on hiatus and come back later like but in one stretch they'll play six or eight years well hell, that could be the whole life of another game so even when those players come back, they still have some older cards or whatever. So like that makes it to where more formats can exist. But yeah, I, I think standard existing is a good thing. Definitely. I think also from a, a viewer on ramp, it's easier to explain a format like standard with fewer components effectively, right? You're going to see some similar cards from match to match. You're going to see only so many keywords so you kind of start to understand if you watch over the course of a day you'll start understanding kind of oh i know what this card does i know what this does whereas if you're watching something like a modern tournament or a legacy tournament like which as an actual longtime player it's cool because every deck's going to be different the matchup's going to be whatever but as a newer person you're basically trying to learn a whole new language on the fly and then just as you figure something out you start finding about all the about the exceptions to the rule so like you got to learn all these and then like oh yeah and by the way this language also has this whole extra category that we took from this other country that you have to learn this now to be able to understand it or whatever right it's basically what it is every round and a bunch of people looking confused and are walking away so yeah i think we should be focusing on standard coming back right and the only way to do that is really i think there's two ways actually one is you incentivize stores to do standard for some bonus Right, like, hey, if you report X number of standard events, you get X. Or for each standard event run in your store this month, like, we'll send you whatever promos to give to players or whatever. The other is make some more major events care about standard. And it absolutely, probably, I was, you, you, I was, that's the next thing I was going to bring up. Yeah, it pro- and honestly, it probably has to be a qualifier season. So it reaches people at the basic level, right? Because it's one thing, like your top players play standard. All right, cool. But 
they're going to do whatever the format is anyway, because they're qualifying and they're competing for hundreds of thousands of dollars. But you need it at your local level for people to want to buy a deck, go to your local store, pick up some singles, go pay their whatever, 15 or $20 entry to play in qualifiers where standard's a thing and build it back up. Because once those players have standard decks and they've built them, then it becomes easier for stores to go like, okay, well, why don't I run a couple of standard tournaments this month so people can prepare for the qualifier we have coming up in five weeks or whatever, right? And I, I, we probably also got to go through at least a two or three year stretch where they don't change the means to qualify for whatever whatever professional play looks like. Yeah, that's part of it. You know, how many how many formats have we had just in the time period we've been doing this podcast with three, I think. Well, I, I think there's even more than that because we had the pandemic where people just weren't buying enough standard sets or bu- not, not even buying them, but building standard decks. So they had decks to carry through a full season or whatever. Right. Because it's fine if it rotates and you're keeping half your cards for the next season or whatever. Or as you know, the rotation's coming, you build a deck that's you know, in quotes, you know, rotation proof to get you through the next thing. But when you haven't built anything for literally three years, there's going to be a lot of those people who do like standard who just haven't had a standard deck in a while. So you've got to rebuild that culture and make it mean something. I think that's the only way to do it. So hopefully there's something. I've heard some rumblings here or there. I don't have anything to base it on, so I'm not going to quote anything and say what's coming. But I I would like to, th- it sounds like it's at least a thing people are aware of and it's on people's radar. So maybe we'll see some things change in 2023. But before we wrap up, I wanted to have kind of an interesting or fun conversation here for the dinner table. Because I've had a few people ask this here or there, but I don't think we've talked about these two things on the show. So first off, Brian, I'm going to ask you, when you're not playing Magic... <laughs> what games are you playing or what do you have lined up that you're planning to play? Uh, the Midnight Suns from a uh, 2K just dropped, which if uh, you hadn't heard about, basically it's a v- very similar to XCOM only with Marvel characters. And that has, I have been addicted to that over the past, uh, basically the past week. Cause it dropped, uh, I want to say last, last uh, Thursday or Friday, I believe. Nice. Nice. I think right now, well, actually today, honestly, they just did a big update to Teamfight Tactics. So a whole new season started. So I'll probably be spending some time in that. That's that's a lot of time my like getaway game for Magic when I want to just like decompress or I'm waiting for something to load to YouTube or something. You know, I'll pop that open and play a game for like 30, 40 minutes. I am. So, I love the game, but I am so far behind on it. It's one of those things where if you fall, if oh. you fall behind, it is a whole new world the next time you log in. I love it. I'm terrible at it, but I enjoy it. Like I can't get above. I think my high, I hit gold two for like three games, but like realistically, I'm like a gold three player. Like that's, that's it. You know, for whatever reason, they're just certain concepts that are beyond me or that I miss or whatever, but I enjoy the the style of game. So, you know, have fun with that. There's some other stuff I also wanted to start looking at game wise for group games, right? Because I have friends that live out of town, you know, some of my woman's friends aren't necessarily hardcore gamers. And I want to start gaming with her a little bit more when we're not able to do like a board game night or something. So I've been looking at games. I don't know if you've seen, they're kind of, I would say indie games, but they're kind of popular now, like called uh, Die Together or Starve Together, where you're like, 
these little survivalists and you're out in the field and you got to like chop down trees and you got to go capture little animals. And oh, don't starve. Yeah. I think we yeah. have that one. Yeah. And that one's kind of fun. So we're probably going to be taking a look at those just for something different to do. But it's like I tell people when I'm not playing 60 card magic, my gaming is super casual. Like it's not competitive on a level. I'm not caring about ranks or whatever. I'm just having fun doing what I'm doing. Right, like that's that, that is the hard part for me to not try to. You almost forget how to play things for fun. Yeah, because you know, like I have Marvel Snap, you know, on my phone, and occasionally, because those games are pretty fast. You can now get a game in like three minutes or something. Like, I will still play a couple of games of that throughout the week, but I'm not like, oh, I got to play ten more games so I can hit this next rank, or I got to get so many cubes to do it, like. Oh, I'm bad, bad about that. And then, of course, now that I'm a, a freelance writing about this stuff, I will just even something just, just just things you know you can't turn your brain. I'm like, ooh, this is a good character. I should write about this, you know. And it just becomes something that almost impossible to play and not I, think that, about. That's content. product product research, friend. <laughs> that's, yeah. what, that's what that is. No, but sometimes you know I would like to be able to just you know we talk about this when I just had my birthday. Okay, you know, get something for yourself, not something to create content, and I just don't know how to do it anymore. A lot of people don't. You know, I think that's the issue. I think we've gotten to where, and honestly, you know what I think it is. I think on some level, it's we've ended up having to push ourselves so hard as a society to where we don't have as much free time. So we try to maximize the value of what that free time is. And I think with that, it's gotten harder and harder for people to go like, eh, but if I'm just doing this for fun and relaxing, like, is it really worth it for me to do it? Like, what's the goal? What am I getting out of this? Right. And I think that's hard for people. For me, I feel the opposite where like, I'm constantly going and I'm constantly working on a thing and I'm always working on new ideas and projects. So when I don't have to, I'm like, well, I'm waiting for things to load. I've kind of already eaten and done the stuff I need to do. So, yeah, let me just play this game I enjoy. And I may suck at it, but I enjoy that downtime. And I and a lot of times I won't get on and play with people I know or anything else just so I can just play. Like, enjoy it. No distract. Sometimes I'm listening to a YouTube video on my headphones while I'm playing or whatever. Right? Just doing whatever I want with that time. Even the, And even if it's only, like I said, 30 minutes, maybe it's an hour. But I'm using it to just unwind and, and detach. Now, the other thing I'll say, I guess there's also, I'm trying to get board games, a board game group together again, so we can start doing that at least monthly. Because I have one or two board games I bought that I didn't even open during the pandemic because we didn't have people to play them with. And they're right. better as like four or five person games than they are two person games. So we're kind of just waiting. So I'm hoping to crack into some of those too. Now, the other thing I would say is what are the types of things you would say you do for fun that aren't gaming related? If there is a thing. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, as, as I mentioned a couple times a day, I'm definitely still into comic books and comic book related media. Also, I did do a bunch of board games too. I'm fortunate that I have a couple of people in the house that also enjoy board games with me. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like it's, you know, sadly, gaming related, you know, it was board games and stuff, but I have been starting to just like think about, hey, what do I do for like house projects, right? Do I want to build something in the back? Like, do you have what do you want to do for 
I don't know, front curb appeal or whatever. So that's actually like the exploration part of it has actually been entertaining for me just to see like what options are available. Like, what could we do? Am I able to do this or do I need to pay somebody to do this? Right. Like, and it's weird. I know people are like, oh, you enjoy doing that. I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, maybe it's because I watched too many of those HGTV shows and now I can actually do some of those things. <laughs> like, I mean, it's one of the most popular networks on the dial, so you can't be the only one. I, I think that's part of it. Of like, I just spent all these times, like, one day I might be able to do that. And now that I might be able to do at least a couple of those things, I'm kind of like figure out how do I maximize and get my value out of the thing I'm going to do now, like, for the first time. So that's the, part of the fun of those shows is like, I wouldn't decorate my house that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you see what was the one it has the 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 man and the woman where the woman like redecorates or fixes up the house. And then the dude tries to find them another house to move into. And then the family has to decide if they want to take that new house that the guy showed them or do they want their old house after it's all fixed up or whatever. I don't feel. I can't like remember that. what the name of that was. Oh, love it or listen. It. That's the name okay. of the show. I, I was gonna say I must never see that. And man, I would. Uh, you'd have to decorate it pretty well, I think, for me not to take the new house. I would feel like. Dude, see, <laughs> that's the thing, though. But then you start thinking about like, ah, they got memories in it, and they they've kind of gotten used to the neighborhood, and you know whatever. And then usually it's like the three or four things you didn't like about the house are the things they try to target and fix up exactly. within your budget. So now you're like. Well, hell, I only didn't like it because we didn't have whatever, like the nice bathroom or whatever. And now that we have that, do I need the new house? Right. Because you still have the reality. Like, because they try to sell it. It's like, okay, they added value to your house. So you could sell that if you wanted to and use that money toward the new one. But it's also like, do you want to pick up a home payment? Do you whatever? So, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. But again, property taxes, all of those things. Yeah. One of a million different shows, you know, on those networks. So that's what I've been spending time kind of looking into i i do have and i kind of mentioned it i hate being so secretive but i'm working on a couple of things for next year and uh some projects to hopefully help other creators so hopefully that'll be coming along i probably won't really move on those till probably april or may next year uh just some legal stuff around it or whatever but yeah i'm always kind of looking at the next thing and trying to come up with fun stuff and do stuff differently so there's there's always something to keep me busy even when i'm not gaming but and the funny thing is, I know that sounds like work to people, but it's really not like I think over the years, having run a business and whatever. I don't know, maybe it's like Stockholm syndrome, but like I think like parts of it have started to become kind of entertaining. And I don't know if I take them as like personal challenges or it keeps me mentally stimulated or whatever, but there's definitely some parts that just I think people would look at as work that don't even process as work for me. They're because they're just like passing thoughts and I'm like making notes on or whatever. But realistically, for the next few days, probably going to be some team fight tactics since it's all brand new stuff I get to mess around with. But all right, Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you out on the social media world? All right. I am Brian Sionic on uh, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. Oh, and I write at Tilt Magazine. And, so check me out over there and you can find me just about everywhere at power dragon p-o-w-r-d-r-a-g-n and if you want to pop on to my review channel just power dragon reviews uh sometime in the next few days i'm going to be posting a video where i eat some miracle berry tablets and see how it messes up my taste buds so i have one up now but that's not the video the miracle berry one will be in a couple of days I thought you were about to say where you crunch on Jolly Richards and see what it does to your teeth. No, I like my teeth. 
<laughs> but as always, wherever you're listening, whatever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family, and remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base 